Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. It's time for Spawn Daily. Uh, yeah, we've really been enjoying these. So just a quick reminder what we're doing here. If you uh, have been living under a rock and haven't been listening to uh, Comic, Comic Source, we decided, Rocky and I, that we wanted to read all of Spawn because they have all the new Spawn titles coming out. Spawn Universe that McFarlane has started, Gunslinger Spawn, King Spawn, Scorched. Uh, but neither one of us had ever really read Spawn. So counting down to Christmas, we did the 12 days of Spawn Mist, the first 12 issues of Spawn. Uh, and we decided to continue it into the new year, covering uh, one issue of Spawn every day because there's about 320, 330 issues of Spawn, 365 days in a year. We already had the first 12 out of the way. So who knows if we'll make it and maybe we'll get tired of Spawn. Maybe we'll get spawned out. Uh, maybe we'll just get busy. Who knows? But we got a little bit of... Uh, you know, cushion built in because there are 365 days in the year, 330 issues of Spawn or what have you. So we're giving it a try. And and what I have found, and I think Rocky probably also feels the same way, is they hold up a lot better than, than I expected. I mean, I remember loving it back in the day because the uh, art was spectacular and that, that had more to do with it than anything. Uh, we all know that McFarlane's not the strongest writer and tends to be a little over expositional and that's still the case. Um, but especially when these guest writers come on, like the issue we're reviewing today is the second part of the Grant Morrison three-part. And it, it's fantastic. The art, Greg Capullo is fantastic as well. So these are really holding up and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm excited to get, you know, uh, to read all, all this spawn. Because the other thing that we've talked about is the fact that we're going to be covering three decades of comics over the period of a year. And we're, you know, in, in, at a much faster pace, we're going to be able to see the way the changing landscape and aesthetic of, of the comic book industry and even the way society, you know, views things, violence and, you know, different things like that, because Spawn definitely touches on pop culture. We're going to see those changes, uh, you know, how life change and comic industry changed over three decades is reflected in the pages of Spawn at a much faster rate. You know, it's going to be all condensed down to a year. So that'll be interesting as well. You know, once we get into like 300, you know, up, up toward 300, which obviously 301 was the record breaker. But I feel like once we get up there, you know, the early or, or the high 200s, 300 or so, we're really going to be able to look back and and see, hey, look at the evolution of this character. And did, did the changing aesthetics and taste of the comic book industry affect it? Or was Spawn always just Spawn? So what do you think about that, Rocky? Yeah, no, I I agree, I agree, and it's it's also we also get to see the evolution of uh, Todd uh, of just the spawn the spawn stories themselves. Uh, we're reviewing issue seventeen here as part two of the three part reflections written by Grant Morrison, and it's interesting because uh, we we talked we talked before about some of the earlier issues. It was so it was very exposition heavy, but of course that was with Todd McFarlane. Here we have it's the script is by Grant Morrison, and this particular issue, I mean issue seventeen, we're reviewing now eighteen tomorrow. Uh, it goes very quickly. There's less exposition. It's much more action-packed, faster pace. It's amazing how some of these issues, of course, with a different writer, can read much quicker. They feel like a quick read, uh, as we as, as we'll talk about issues 17 and 18. Uh, almost read they read so quick. Just like you, uh, I know that you were reading a slight slightly farther ahead than I was. Uh, issue 17 and 18 read like one comic because it just. You know, you, you get to the end of the issue we're going to be reviewing today, issue 17. You you, you want to read issue 18 right away because you want to know what the heck's, what the heck's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And, and the other thing, and we talked about this yesterday, uh, yesterday when we covered issue 16, that being the first issue that Todd McFarlane didn't, wasn't listed in the credits. You know, we don't, 
we've we've speculated a lot, and we'll hope we'll get an answer at some point. How much McFarlane had creative input on these other uh, on these stories that other people wrote? You know, the Dave Sim and Alan Moore and Grant Morrison, Frank Miller and and uh, and Neil Gaiman. Um, but technically, he wasn't listed anywhere in the credits uh, for for sixteen. That was the first issue. Same thing with seventeen. Same thing with eighteen. Um, so you know, we talked extensively about the fact that uh, Greg Capullo came on to do the pencils and you know rocky just mentioned that how, how fantastic the art is um and i i would think that the the lay comic person somebody who's not paying a lot of attention might not even necessarily realize that this is a different artist because the line weights and the line work is very similar here with the the style that capullo has at this time very similar to what mcfarland had uh, i did mention it yesterday mcfarland's uh, at times will exaggerate anatomy a little more uh, his his work tends to be a little more cartoony than Capullo's, especially you'll you'll notice in this issue. There's a scene where uh, Terry Fitzgerald and Wanda Blake, uh, Al Simmons' wife or ex-wife, I guess, or a widow, I, I suppose I should put it that way, uh, where they're sitting on the couch talking, and it, it's it's very much almost photorealistic in the way that uh, Capullo draws it. You never really see that from McFarland. His uh, anatomy is always going to be a little uh, a little exaggerated, uh, but in terms of, of line weight style and, and just how sort of action packed and kinetic the art is, it's, it's very similar. The page layouts, you know, the way the panels are laid out on the page also uh, very similar, maybe not quite as dynamic, maybe a little more um, standard from Capullo with just, uh, you know, regular boxes as opposed to a lot of insets like uh, McFarland tends to do. Uh, but for the most part, uh, their art is, is very similar, but, I think that it's going to be interesting to see because, as I mentioned, I did go back and, and look at some of Capullo's early art because this does look very different than, you know, his early work on Quasar, let's say, uh, at Marvel. And it certainly looks different than his work that most people are familiar with uh, most recently, which would be his Batman work or Dark Knight's Death Metal. Uh, this this is a very much a, a different style. So I'm curious to see if we uh, if we can spot an evolution in Capullo's style. Uh, because he's on Spawn for, for quite a while, uh, up into the 200s or, or high 100s at least. Doesn't do every issue, but he's, he's with it for, for quite a long time. So yeah. Uh, anything else to add about Capullo's art before I dive into the story, Rob? Uh, no, no. He's, uh, like I said, he there's a reason why he stayed on Spawn so long. It's a, he's, he's very good. He, he captures McFarland's sensibilities very well. They, they have a lot of similarities. So there's no question you could understand why he... He, he grew into the successful artist he is. Yeah, again, Spawn was really the series that made him a, a superstar. So so this issue kicks off, again, a story by Grant Morrison, pencils by Greg Capullo. Mark Pennington does the inks for this one, as opposed to last issue, it was Dan Panosian art, Taybear. Uh, Tom Orzakowski still on letters, Steve Olaf still handling the colors. Uh, last issue ended with Jason Wynn being teleported up to the satellite orbiting the Earth, uh, control as it's... Um, was referred to sort of a, a foothold for the forces of heaven on earth uh, or at least orbiting earth. And they brought Jason Wynn up and they endowed him with these uh, angelic powers and they dubbed him anti-spawn. So that's how the last issue ended. This one ends with Malbolgia and uh, again, a different little bit of a different interpretation the way uh, McFarland draws him, but He's, he's having a good old time. He's chuckling because Al Simmons in the last issue went to his grave because he was curious, am I, 
am I resurrected? Am I living in my same human body? Uh, or is it something else? And, and yeah, we find out that his, his body is still there. He, he's tormented by the fact that he's, he really is no longer human. He's not even in the same body. And uh, Mal Bolgia is getting a, a kick out of it's kind of the torment <laughs> trauma that, uh, that Al Simmons is, uh, is enduring. He even says at one point, I hope it hurts. You know, you've learned a little more of the truth. The body that you currently wear is not your uh, earthly body, your earthly body's decaying in a grave. So I, I get the uh, kind of get the impression that the body that Spawn is wearing now is is made of psychoplasm, that substance from hell that can kind of take on uh, different appearances and and um, different uh, sort of uh, almost like a holodeck, right? Like Star Trek holodeck, take on different appearances and, and states of matter based on what the person perceiving is, is thinking. So we get a lot of information here. Uh, again, Rocky's right. There's not a lot of exposition from Morrison, but there is a, a lot of important information here as Mal Bolgia takes Spawn to Simmonsville and says, Hey, this is the place doorway to my realm gates of hell stand open. You know, I'm sure you recognize what you see. Th this is hell on earth, basically built by the substance your people have taken to calling psychoplasm and it adapts itself to human thought. And when you died, your memories were imprinted on the psychoplasm. That's why it looks like your hometown. And just as your new spawn body is composed of psychoplasm and can change shape, um, you know, this town too can change shape based on thoughts and emotions. And he shows Al Simmons this memory that is imprinted on some psychoplasm there of a, a lake. And he's out in the middle of the lake in a, a small rowboat with Wanda. And it's the day that he asked Wanda to marry him. So. Again, Mal Bolgia is, is really twisting the knife once again, tormenting Al Simmons in a way he wants to break him, right? I mean, the whole reason he made the deal with Jason Wynn, uh, Jason Wynn made the deal because he wanted the psychoplasm. From Mal Bolgia's uh, point of view, he made the deal because Al Simmons was an excellent soldier. He was a great killer. He was a great assassin, even though he you know may have been developing a little bit too much of a moral compass for Jason Wynn, which is why Wynn you know, gave him up. Um, but the whole deal was Mal Bolgia thought that he was getting somebody who could possibly be a leader in his army uh, in his upcoming battle against heaven, you know, heaven against hell. So, uh, again, it's, it's really twisting the knife. And we talk about um, McFarland not having much subtlety. There's not much subtlety in the way that uh, Morrison portrays Mal Bolgia uh, in a lot of ways here. But. I do find it interesting the kind of the voice, the words that um, that Morrison chooses. It, it Malbolgia before when McFarlane put words in his mouth tended to sound a little more, uh, I don't know, less relatable. You know, you, he didn't he, he used flowery language and it, it made him seem a little more fanciful. I guess we'll say this this Malbolgia the way um, Morrison scripts him. He talks like the way you and I talk, you know, but the stuff he's saying is still horrible. I mean, the things, the deal that he's made uh, with with Jason Wynn and, and how he's twisting the knife in Al Simmons is is still pretty brutal. He, you, he's you evil. He's being a complete jerk. He's just rubbing it in. He's choosing. He, he doesn't lose an opportunity to insult Al Simmons, making it clear his life is miserable and and he, he's relishing in the pain and misery he's causing him. It's just it's really he's just rubbing he's. He's, the knife is in and he's twisting it. Yeah, 100%. But I don't know. For some reason, the way Morrison writes him, 
he's I don't want to say he's more human, but I, I don't know. He seems he seems a little more relatable, which makes it worse. You know, when somebody is is a god and you you know you can't really communicate with them because you're speaking on different levels. If they're evil or they're threatening you, you, you kind of just you know what can you do? You know, it's like it's like if we talk to an ant. Like we don't even speak the same language, you know, this, this version of Mal Bulge, I feel like he speaks Al Simmons language, which makes it worse. Well, yeah, I think he's less cartoonishly evil in, 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 yeah, the, in the manner exactly. of dialogue. Yeah. You know, Mark Farland was always a little bit more over the top and almost like a cartoon, cartoonishly cliche yeah. evil. Whereas Grant Morrison is a little bit more laid back, a little bit more like like you said everyday sort of talk so it's, yeah. it's just like, probably like, just yeah. better dialogue frankly i mean yeah yeah just more realistic you're realistic. right that, that's exactly it he, he he's not he's not so two-dimensional and mustache twirling yeah. uh, the way morrison <laughs> writes him is is, is is it's worse you know it's worse for al simmons like now i'm speaking your language i'm i'm twisting the knife like you said so uh anyway uh back to the story we do see that that satellite like i, I mentioned before where uh, jason Wynn had been taken and uh, these other angels there, I guess they're uh, kind of explaining the mission that anti-spawn has. The so soldiers ready, anti-spawn prepared for his first battle. Let's initiate transmission and uh, uh, pray for a swift kill. So he is sent, he's fi kind of fired down uh, to where uh, Al Simmons is. And, and Simmons is, you know, unaware that anti-spawn is on his way and is yelling at Malbolgia, where are you? You took my life, you took my soul, where are you? And all of a sudden, womb. Uh, giant sort of explosion as anti-spawn hits the ground. And uh, Simmons, I, I don't know what that is, but my skin's crawling and crackling. There's something in there, something bad. And we see that anti-spawn in, in a gorgeous full page splash, <coughs> excuse me, from um, from Greg Capullo says, hell spawn, I've come for you. Uh, and, and yeah, we see him there standing in all his glory. And like I mentioned last time, costume, you know, a, a, a few things similar. He's got some spikes, he's got some chains, but I'll, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, I'll specifically point out the belt, which has the spawn symbol, but then it's got the circle and slash <laughs> around it, which I think is just hilarious. You know, it'd be the equivalent of Bizarro having the backward S with a circle slash through it. Uh, it's just yeah. really I, I love it, man. I love this costume. This is just as yeah. epic as spawns. I think it's very well made. I wonder I wonder if Greg Capullo uh, designed this or if McFarlane. Yeah, good Good question. I, I would guess maybe a collaboration between the two. It, de it definitely has tones of, of Greg. Uh, but yeah, I love it too. I, I love the fact that his helm is sightless. Uh, in a lot of ways, I like this costume better than uh, than Spawn's. And, it's sightless. Is this is this like the Batman who laughs? Is this why the Greg right. Capullo designed yeah. the Batman who laughs? Like, oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's where it exactly, came from. <laughs> exactly. Spikes and and what and and the other thing to uh, to point out is. He's he's bulkier, you know. He's he's bigger. Uh, Jason Wynn is a bigger guy than than Al Simmons. Obviously, his body has changed a little bit because we saw him uh, last time. He was a little more, uh, a little rotund. more rotund. Yeah, rotund, not overweight, but yeah, a little more rotund. Here, here, he's very much the the V chest and the broad shoulders, and and yeah, he looks uh, formidable for sure. Uh, we get a quick uh, interlude here with the. Uh, the talking heads that we see from time to time, one, one of the CNN, the other right wing guy now on on 40 other news. And it, this just serves as a little exposition to tell us that um, Jason Wynn, the controversial presidential advisor, ha has been missing. Um, and uh, the right wing guys like call me a crank. But, you know, this whole wind disappearance when he was supposed to uh, 
you know, testify or have a, a televised debate, you know, LinkedIn with the whole um, Youngblood covert operations. And so he's not really uh, buying into that, that Wynn is missing. He thinks it's all part of a, a conspiracy. Uh, and as, as the camera pans back, we see that it's actually Terry Fitzgerald that's been, uh, that's watching these guys talk. And, and uh, as he's on the CNN channel, the woman says, there have been rumors that suggest that Al Simmons was murdered by his own people. So somebody's talking uh, who shouldn't be. And again, this is why people at the agency are after Terry Fitzgerald, or they're, they're worried they're keeping a close eye on him because they, they think that Terry might have something to do with these rumors, which is something that Wanda Blake has long suspected, right? That, that uh, Al Simmons was murdered rather than killed in action. Um, but he turns off the TV pretty quickly because uh, Wanda's coming into the room and she says, ah, oh, is that something about Al? And he's like, no, no, not really. Just talking about Jason Wynn being missing. And this is that scene I was talking about earlier where uh, Wanda and Terry are talking and almost photorealistic, great art here and, and emotion from Capullo. And it just shows that, that Wanda Blake is not over Al Simmons, just a reminder, uh, a little interlude here and, and that Terry is still, you know, he's still worried. We'll put it that way. Um, so Wanda turns off the TV and uh, as she does, she says, you know, does it, does it really matter if Jason Wynn has vanished off the face of the earth? Uh, and we're told, well, more than, more than you think Wanda Blake, uh, because the scene shifts back to the fight between Wynn and Al Simmons. Although remember at this point, Al Simmons doesn't know that, that anti-spawn is, uh, is Jason Wynn. And, and it, it, he should may not be, even... it, it should be I, noted. I have to interject. It should be noted that when, Wanda shuts the TV off. She doesn't use a remote. She does it by approaching the TV and pushing a button on the TV. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of strange. This is a dated, this is a dated, I mean, I, I thought they had remote controls back in the early 90s, but I guess not. Well, they did. I, I mean, they did because Terry used it earlier to change the channel. Yeah, so, but it's weird. I don't know. She got maybe, she wanted, maybe she wanted some exercise. That's a good point. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Not only does does Al Simmons not know that Anti Spawn is Jason Wynn, it's not even clear that Jason that Anti Spawn knows that he used to be Jason Wynn, right? Because it talked about his memories being um, wiped away, and it, it says for Jason Wynn's been reborn as the Anti Spawn stands face to face with his old adversary Al Simmons, though neither man suspects. Yeah. Anti Spawn might not even really know that he's Jason Wynn, and he certainly doesn't know that Spawn is Al Simmons. Al Simmons does doesn't know that uh, anti-spawn is uh is jason Wynn. so the fight here is sort of one-sided and it might be that uh, al simmons or at least i get the impression that al simmons doesn't realize just how powerful the anti-spawn is uh and we know his reluctance to use his energy because he knows he only has a finite amount so uh anti-spawn blasts him back through the stained glass window of the church that uh is made out of psychoplasm. That's a, a replica of the church that Al and Wanda got married in. And it's a pretty brutal scene as he falls down inside the church with a lot of the stained glass, like sticking out of his face. And uh, apparently the church is inhabited by some other little minor demons or whatnot. This is remember the gateway to hell on earth. And uh, as these other little demons start to say, they're going to the feast on, on spawn while he's still stunned, uh, anti-spawn comes busting in the church and says, stand away from him. He's mine. Filth. Do you hear me? So he's quite the, uh, melodramatic character here. 
so there must be something of Jason Wynn that remains, right? Because he always seemed pretty melodramatic. So he blasts Spawn once again, saying uh, he's mine, and burns off all the other little guys that were uh, about to attack Spawn. And Al Simmons is beginning to recover, but he's wondering, first of all, who is this guy? I've never faced so much raw power. Is he stronger than me? How come I feel like I know him? Uh, and anti-spawn continues to make threats. See how I burned off those guys. Now I'm going to burn you. I'll make you scream. So because of this battle, a lot of this psychoplasm town of Simmonsville is actually on fire. And we know that the army uh, or Jason Wynn, you know, whatever group he works for, they have cameras and they're, they're monitoring um, the town. And last issue we met major Vale, who was uh, talking to, to Jason Wynn and learned about this town before Wynn was abducted by the, uh, by the control and turned into anti-spawn. So Vale is watching and he sees that uh, Simmonsville is burning and he wants to know what the hell's going on there. And there's another uh, underling, I guess you'd say, and said, nobody knows, nobody knows where Wynn is. Uh, he's vanished. So we don't really know what's going on there. Uh, and Major Vale's like, well, I just got here, and I'm. It looks like this project's falling apart at the se seams. And you know, Wynn said this is a doorway to hell, but it looks like all hell's broken loose there. And this program means too much to the U.S. government. Obviously, psychoplasm. I mean, that's a huge potential weapon, and they don't want to lose it. So Vale's like, nothing's going to stop me. Nothing on Earth or in hell is going to stop me. That's for sure. I'm going in there. Which. <laughs> I, for the most part, I enjoy the story that Morrison tells, but the fact that this guy who just came on the scene doesn't really know what's going on, because, you know, he's got to know Jason Wynn well enough to know that Wynn didn't tell him everything. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't really know what's going on. I get that it's a, that uh, psychoplasm is a really important potential weapon for the U.S. and you want to save the town, but what the hell are you going to do? You're not even a, really a frontline soldier. You're 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 a major. You're old. Like I, I it just it didn't have like a ring of truth to me that yeah. oh you're gonna go in there and save and, and, and Major Vale. Major Vale already knows the fate of two other soldiers that went in there because uh, right. Jason Wynn told him the fate of the other soldiers that that Jason Wynn even referred to as fodder, I think, or or yeah. basically yeah, pawns. Watched, so I mean, watch those guys get killed. Yeah. So I mean, he's got to know that this, and he knows it's from hell. I mean, he knows it deals with hell and the you know powers you know that they don't understand and psychoplasm, and so it's it yeah as you said it's. It, I guess you could pass it off as the ego or the narcissism or, or ego of the crazy military mind. Uh, but I, I actually think probably uh, any military man out there would probably be insulted by the portrayal of the general here. He's extraordinarily yeah. naive, but I suppose you could call him brave. But <laughs> there's a difference yeah, between just, brave and stupid. <laughs> yeah, it seems to me like he would just go, we're going to send in a battalion, you know, or <laughs> yeah. something. Uh, or at least if he's going in, he's going to bring soldiers with him. But that, you know, we see that's not what actually happens. He just strolls right in himself. Like he, he's going to walk in and go, okay, stop. And everybody's going to listen. Like, yeah, that is, that is ego run amok for sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, the scene shifts back to Simmonsville and Spawn's getting his butt kicked saying he doesn't know how much more of this he could take. He tries to fire his powers at, um, an anti-spawn and miss, which has to be really crappy for him uh, because he's, you know, he doesn't have a lot of power to waste. 
Then he finally decides to fire on him and misses. So he decides that discretion is the better part of valor uh, because he feels like the next blast is going to kill him. So he calls on his power to teleport as he's done before. And uh, he doesn't, it, it seems like he doesn't really have, at least at this point, a lot of control over where he teleports to. It seems like he either gets drawn to that, that church uh, there in New York where he got married, or he ends up back in the alleys that he, where he kind of considers home. And that's where he ends up this time uh, where, you know, the rest of his homeless buddies say, oh, you know, they're used to seeing it. Oh, it's like the 4th of July at Spawn. Man, you don't look so good, buddy. And, and Spawn immediately realizes where he is, but he's worried that anti-Spawn will be able to follow him. Uh, you know, so at, at least it's that heroic instinct that Al Simmons uh, can, that has that that is showing through here. And he yells at everybody, go. I don't know how long before he'll show up. And sure enough, he barely gets the words out of his mouth before all of a sudden there's another bright glowing ball there. And uh, anti-spawn shows up saying, you can't hide. I can track you through time and space. There's nowhere to run from death and blast uh, Al Simmons again at point blank range. Uh, range. And uh, Al, to his credit, he, he takes a pretty good licking here and keeps on ticking. Uh, he says, I can't see straight. Everything's broken inside, blood in my eyes. The costume's alive and he's wounded it. Uh, and and he, as Spawn tries to get up again, uh, anti-spawn is taunting him saying, don't you understand? the pain, the burning white light inside you, I'll kill you. And so the angels will let me rest. So it's almost like the power that's inside Jason Wynn, the power that he's imbued with sort of has a mind of its own. And Wynn himself feels like he's on fire. And the only thing that will kind of alleviate the, the burning or pain that, uh, that Wynn is feeling is to unleash the power against Spawn. So Spawn's like, angels, what, what's the guy, this guy talking about? Uh, and unfortunately, uh, he takes another blast, uh, and that's that's the last blast that he'll take. It, it knocks him out. He's laying there on the ground. Um, and once again, we get some exposition from Wynn saying, my head's uh, filled with light. I can't even think straight. All I know is I, I, I need to kill you. Uh, I'm, I'm the fiery soldier of heaven, and you're just prey. And uh, time's up, Hellspawn. And, and that's how it ends as Al Simmons is just beginning to regain consciousness on uh, the last splash page as anti-spawn stands over him with an energy sword extended out of his gauntlet. And just an, another fantastic uh, splash page from, uh, from Capullo, which I, I will say that that's perhaps part of the reason why this feels like a little bit of a bigger read Morse or a quicker read, I should say, because Morrison definitely gives Capullo plenty of chances to show off his gorgeous art with either splash pages or large panels. Um, so, you know, again, I, been critical of Grant Morrison in the past plenty of times. I'm not a huge fan of his work. And, and again, like this may be my favorite thing he's ever done. He definitely knows or has shows that he, he does know when to shut up and just let the art do, do the work, which sometimes yeah. I feel like Morrison's doesn't always go, you know, his, his comics aren't always, uh, don't always have that aesthetic. Uh, yeah. I was I actually surprised. Yeah. I think he did, just one more thing, Rocky. I was going to say, I think he did a good job in the Green Lantern that he did with Liam Sharp of that. So he knows how to do it. Sometimes I think he just wants to squeeze too much in. But yeah. uh, anyway, what were we going to say? No, I was just going to say, I, I actually, in, in this fight scene here, I'm surprised Spawn wasn't killed. The way Greg Capullo dra I mean, drew the one scene that I have up there on the screen, literally there, a hole is blown through Spawn's body. His entire, yeah. pretty much his entire torso is literally blown 
through like and so i don't know how he survived it um you kind of wonder if if that doesn't kill a spawn and as we'll subsequently learn next issue i mean it i don't i don't even think that kills a similar injury befalls anti-spawn later on and it doesn't seem to kill them so i don't exactly know how you're supposed to kill a spawn here uh, maybe that was just artistically it looks fantastic but boy these spawn and anti-spawn are, are two tough tough people um one of my well, one one thing that I'll I'll say about that is you. One thing to keep in mind: we're told in this issue that his body's not really a body, not the way a human body is. It's just made out of psychoplasm, which can change shape. So, you wonder: does it really? I mean, maybe Spawn's body only has a heart and ribs and whatever, because yeah. that's what his his mind imprints on the psychoplasm, because that's what he knows the human body to be. But yeah, we're, what? really does power the actual material body yeah i mean i mean a very good point and but if we don't know i mean if he if i mean how can he die then i mean if he if if he thinks is it is it that if he because his body's made up of psychoplasm if he thinks that he's weak he will be weak is that how that works because it takes on his feelings and fears and emotions so it it, does it really come down to willpower maybe how he wills himself the other thing that i found interesting is that you mentioned before how how jason win is jason win who's now anti-spawn maybe is not fully aware of who he is because his own it's not clear that even jason win is conscious of who he is but he it's almost like he's in so much pain so this control this these agents of i guess heaven this this control group that created anti-spawn it's like they're overloading his body with energy that he he has to he has to get rid of this energy to kill spawn in order to kill the pain because it's painful. If he, the more energy, it's like Jason, it's like anti-spawn has to get rid of the energy and wants to because the anti-spawn seems to be in constant pain. This is different than, 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 than spawn. Spawn is not in pain. Spawn doesn't even want to use his power because spawn would prefer not to use his power so he can stay alive longer. And yet, ironically enough, anti-spawn wants to drain himself of the power to get rid of the the burning energy in front inside of him to get rid of the pain so it's a very kind of different you know it's a very different relationship with their powers and and the way they and, and the way they seem to to work I think so I'm trying to get a handle in terms of exactly the difference between anti-spawn and spawn and anyways it's fascinating it's interesting but I'm wondering at what point is Jason Wynn is he going to gain some consciousness? I mean, because if he's, if all Jason Wynn is, is he's constantly in pain and he has to get rid of this energies that he's imbued with, you know, when is he going to be able to think for himself and what have you? And so in any event, it's, it's moving. I would not think an agent of heaven of, of, of which anti-spawn is because spawn is hell and anti-spawn is supposedly anti-hell, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's weird that, anti-spawn is all about pain and suffering and wanting to inflict and cause pain and suffering it's like you said the the mythologies almost seem to be flipped here the good guys are agents of, you know the good guys the agent to hell and the bad guys the agent to heaven it's weird yeah it, it really is and i think we need to know a lot more about the forces of of heaven and hell before we can really understand you know what this war is about and who these guys really are like does jason win still I mean, is his body made out of something similar to psychoplasm now? Uh, you know, his body type did radically change. So you, you know, you wonder, but he, but he wasn't killed or, or was he? So yeah, there's a lot, clearly a lot we still don't know. So we'll see how that, we'll see how it all plays out, but we'll at least get the conclusion of, uh, of this three-parter by Grant Morrison next issue. 
And then uh, Todd McFarlane doesn't come back for uh, another few issues after that. We have another writer who we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. So uh, yeah, fantastic issue. Love this three-parter uh, and we'll, we'll cover the finale of it tomorrow. So anything else to add before we sign off Rocky? Uh, no, actually, but uh, I, you know, I, I can tell you this, I, I'm looking forward to reviewing next issues because I, I, I had to be very careful and and not say too much because I didn't want to ruin too much for for the next issue, which is where a lot lot more some more information and some interesting things happen. But I wanted to save some of my comments because these issues kind of merged together in my mind after I read them together. So I got I didn't want to spoil things for for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, and these do read a lot. Sixteen, seventeen, eighteen do read a lot quicker uh, than a lot of the the previous and has everything to do with less exposition, like we've said. So uh, anyway, that's going to do it, everybody. Don't forget, if you're not following uh, Rocky's channel at YouTube, just head over to YouTube and do a search for comic space boom exclamation point. That way you don't miss any of the content. Be sure you like this video, ring that notification bell and subscribe. Uh, conversely, if you check us out on YouTube and you want to um, be sure to not miss any of our other audio only content, just head to your uh, favorite podcasting platform or uh, application on your smart device do search for the comic source and subscribe. So we appreciate the support as always. Glad you guys are enjoying this daily spawn ride that we're all on. And we will talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the comic source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.